0: Something that's been uh, present for me this past year or maybe two is that I've just kind of been dating less. Maybe the past year or so, I've been dating less and have been trying to put more of that energy into my platonic friendships and maintaining those. And it's become more and more apparent to me in doing that that there's really like not that big a difference between maintaining romantic relationships that you don't live with and maintaining friendship relationships that you don't live with. It, like The only difference is kind of like the language that I use with them that I'm not maybe going to be as, as cutesy with them or something. I don't know. Sometimes I do. I don't know. But. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Multiamory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily.
1: And I'm Dedeker.
0: We believe in looking to the future of relationships,
2: not maintaining the status quo of the past.
1: So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you.
0: on this episode of the multi-amory podcast we are joined by the dating advice girl erin tillman to talk about your dating and relationship health during times of increased stress or just a change from the normal all of which are happening right now it can be easy to lose perspective and stop maintaining your own mental health and the health of your relationships so today we're going to go over a few topics to keep in mind to keep them going strong Our guest today is Erin Tillman, an inclusive sex educator, dating and consent empowerment coach, author, speaker, and media personality based in LA. For the past 10 years, she has helped empower singles through workshops, matchmaking, podcasting, and her book, The Consent Guidebook. Uh, And she's also written for all sorts of places like Lifetime, BuzzFeed, Elle Magazine, Men's Health, Washington Post. And she was on this podcast a little over three years ago, which is wild to me it's been that long. Erin, welcome back. Thank you for being here.
3: Yay! So happy to be back. I know, I can't believe it's been three years or something. That's so Time crazy. Time really flies.
0: Yeah, it feels like just the other day.
1: Yeah, I'm just, I'm assuming that, I'm assuming in the last three years, it's been just the same old, same old, nothing's changed in the world oh, yeah, or no, with any no, of us between all. now and then.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the world looks exactly the same from three years ago. Of course, 100%, right?
0: yeah. No big deal.
3: I mean, so much has changed and it's so funny because I feel like like these conversations about like time are when I start to feel really old. I mean, because I- I've been in the dating industry, so to speak, um, before like Tinder and before right. Instagram. Yeah and yeah. like that kind of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. So like three years ago, I mean TikTok wasn't around, right? I mean, it was right. just, like no. all these weird things. Yeah. It was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I'm really curious actually to jump in with that of, you know, you've been in the industry for so long. Like, I mean, how do you make sense of all the really rapid change that we've seen?
3: I mean, you know, for me, honestly, well, okay, let me start by saying, even though I've been in the industry a lot, I'm one of those people who who can adapt very easily. So I'm I'm fortunate that I'm not overwhelmed, which is why I think I'm a good dating coach, um, is that with all the changes that are happening like I try to keep my clients on, on task. It's like, they're, I'm not overwhelmed. I try to like make things very understandable for them in terms of, you know, which dating app should I choose? How do I set up a profile? Like all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. So I I don't know, I guess it's just, it's, it's my brain is such that it's easy for me to like learn a new thing and I get excited about it. So it's, I've, I've adapted pretty well to the changes to be honest. Like I love that social media is more integrated into these like dating apps per se. I think it's really interesting that we're in the pandemic and a lot of our, our meeting new people is virtual. Like, yeah. yes, it's not ideal, but I think it's kind of interesting and kind of fun. And you kind of need to pay attention to people because if this is the way like Zoom and various platforms, if this is how we're meeting people, then what are we doing on these? And are we putting mm. our best put, foot forward on these? So I, I kind of nerd out on
1: it all. Yeah, (laughs) I think it is kind of funny. I I feel like I hear the sentiment from a number of people of, you know, there's there are the people out there who are just like, oh, I just I can't do the apps. I can't do the online dating. I can't do the virtual dating. Like, I just can't I need to meet people in person. And I think that's a 100% valid way to feel I totally get it. Totally respect it. But it is that kind of thing where now where it's like, you don't really have the choice necessarily, because you can't just wander down to the bar on the corner and have the super organic Meet cute kind of experience.
3: Um, Or you can, depending on where you live, because I was in Ohio recently. And everything is open, my friends. What? Which I did yeah. I didn't go to any of those places, but oh yes, water parks were open, bars were open. Oh my everything's gosh. Everything's open. So yeah, so yeah, so some people still are meeting in person. Okay, so um, maybe you
1: can meet your next
2: love at a water park. Okay. Are you in are
1: you in Los Angeles,
3: Erin? <laughs> or damn, I'm
2: in Los okay, Angeles. Okay, me too. So nothing's um, open here. That's right. the complete but opposite. So, <laughs>
3: Well, so I think it's an interesting I mean, there's first of all, I'm going to say there's not going to be enough time on this show to talk about all the things because already we've opened up a can of worms in terms of, you know, meeting someone during a pandemic or, you know, what are your boundaries around COVID? Like, are you meeting people who have the same boundaries you do around wearing a mask and not? And comfortable, comfortable, comfortable. Be comfortability. I can't say word. Comfortable. Being comfortable with someone with a mask or not. I mean, like those are all really valid things to talk about when you're meeting new people, and and also with current partners. You know, and again, I don't. I'm jumping around, and I know we're probably going to talk about all these things. But it's like, like the pandemic has really hopefully is making us better communicators because with all the people in our lives and all the new people coming into our lives, like we had some boundaries before maybe, but maybe those boundaries are different now.
2: Yeah. So I'm interested to talk about current partners because I know a lot of people that, well, me personally, and also Jason Dedeker, and then a lot of our listeners are with maybe a long-term partner, and they're quarantine, quarantining with them or, you know, social distancing with them, and they're really the only people that they're seeing, or maybe just, like, a small pod of people. So are there ways of kind of, like, checking in and seeing, like, how our relationships are doing, um, even if they're, like, newer relationships or long-term relationships or anything else?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, number one, um, check in. Like you said, I think that we make a lot of assumptions during a pandemic or during a time of crisis, even where it's like, oh my God, like that person knows how I feel. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Why are we making assumptions about that? And also this is like, like in our lifetimes, right? How many generations have never had to deal with this? Like, this is a new experience, a generational experience that a lot of us haven't dealt with. So why are we making assumptions? Why are you not keeping in touch? definitely mm. call if that means a zoom virtual date with your, you know, secondary tertiary, um, partners, even if it's a new partner, like it's really important to make time for those people, whatever that be a one-on-one time. And, you know, I mean, v- we could get into, you know, agreements with a primary, you know, um, I guess if I, I'm not a huge fan of hierarchical relationships, but you know, if you are quarantined with a primary partner, definitely, definitely there should be conversations with the primary about your other partners. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm- I mean, if those other partners mean something to you and you want to keep those other partners in your life post pandemic, then it's really important that you not forget about those other partners, even if you're not sequestered with them. It's mm-hmm. so important.
1: Yeah. So I want to lay out, you know, for today. Topic, you know, thinking about dating and relationship health, we kind of laid out four ish, I think there's four here, four ish categories that we wanted to check in, like four categories where we felt like this is probably a good place to check yourself before you wreck yourself. And we have a bunch of questions related to these four categories. So, just for our listeners, a quick broad overview of the stuff we're going to be covering. So, that involves things like navigating boundaries with different partners during COVID, specifically um, being a good ally to your partners and friends who are people of color or have a different identity from your own, um, how to keep things fun, even while dating or when you're in a relationship during a pandemic, and like we're touching on right now, ways to just not forget about secondary, tertiary, other partners during the pandemic. So, but let's start with the boundaries question, first of all, and I think Jace, you had a specific question related to this.
0: Yeah, and this is something that we've only touched on briefly on this show before and actually haven't done... So much of a dive into it, but basically that, especially early on in lockdown, but I think still, I don't maybe even more so now that, that like you were saying, things are opening up in some places, which can cause this bigger divide between, I want to be more safe than my state is choosing to be, and then potential partners or existing partners are. Or vice versa. Right, right. Or vice versa. That overall, it's like, people who normally didn't have to think as much about how they manage risk versus how their partners manage risk, which is something we talk about in non-mysticogamy when it comes to STIs, but it's a little different. Like the dynamic isn't quite the same when it comes to COVID there. There, There's not a one-to-one with that. But I'd say all of us were suddenly presented with a lot more ways with our friends that we had to talk about how we manage risk between our partners and our metamors and our friends and all of that. And I was just curious for you in doing your, you know, workshops and dating coaching and stuff like that, how have you seen that show up? And is there anything that you've noticed with that that can help people in, in navigating that? Cause I think some people are like, fuck, I can't, I don't know what to do. I have to break up with all my partners or <laughs> I can't date anyone or right. <laughs>
3: Yeah. No, no, literally both those things are valid and both those things are happening. Like some people are like, Mm -hmm. I'm not dating right now at all. I'm done. I can't do it. I don't trust people. I'm, you know, and also, I mean, this conversation, um, we should a little respect to people who aren't able-bodied. That Mm -hmm. was kind of awkward the way I said it, but you know, people who are immune compromised, I mean, they don't really have Mm -hmm. the luxury of, Choosing. It's like, nope, this yeah. is what it is. And so it's very real. And Jace, I, I would say it's definitely not a one to one comparison to the STI conversation, but it's very close. It's very, very close. I mean, it's transmittable from what we know about COVID, if you believe scientists, <laughs> which I believe scientists. Um, <laughs> shout out to the scientists. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's airborne on some level. It's, you know, transmittable by, um, by our spit, saliva, mucus. So it's absolutely an STI conversation on some level. It just is. Hmm. You, you, we should be, um, and I don't like to word, use the word should, it's really important that we think about who we're sharing, um, who we're fluid bonding with in a way. And it is fluid bonding in a sense. But it's Not like fluid bonding sense... through the air,
0: too. Yeah, <laughs> like air-aerosol air, right. air bonding.
3: <laughs> which is even, in some ways, which is even more intimate and experienced now because of the pandemic, which is mm-hmm. weird to say, mm-hmm. right? So it's really important that, you know, we're we're taking some precautions and really being selective about who we're inviting into our spaces, into our homes, who we're intimate with. It's absolutely similar to the SDI conversation, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Now I mean everyone can judge for themselves what the what the best choice is for themselves. But also to your point, Jace, you know, it's like it's not just us involved. If we are you know, those of us who are in non-monogamous relationships, it's not just about us. And one of the biggest things that I've seen during this pandemic is the level of selfishness involved. And I, I don't want to get too negative, but I mean, really, it is a, a question of: Do I want to wear a mask? Do I feel like I want to make sure the people in my life feel safe, or am I just uncomfortable in this mask? And I'm, you know, bored, and I want to go out and do stuff. So I'm just going to go do what I want to do, and I'm sure everyone will be fine. It's like that attitude, and it's like. I mean, um, I Thank think you for saying just, that. it
0: sounded it sounded almost <laughs> word for word like you were having a conversation about condoms as a guy. Who uh, yeah, I was going to
3: say that.
1: It's like that happens all the time. You know, I hear people being like, oh, but like barriers and stuff." it's just awkward. You know, it's awkward. It, just,
2: it doesn't feel as good. And I mean, so. I
1: don't want to, of course, like diminish people's experiences of sometimes barriers are like straight up painful for people or things like that. Like, that's fine. But I, I do think, yeah, it's it's. Um, it's hard to ignore the way these things kind of rhyme together. Mm-hmm. Oh no,
3: it's absolutely related. And again, you know, there is a very basic principle here around how how do you how are you caring for your partners? Yeah. Like how are you caring for your partners? Yes, the ideal is this other thing over here, like pre-pandemic. Like there's this ideal of how we were before COVID. D.C. before COVID, right? And now, like, (laughs) during COVID, it's like, well, what is it now? And are we willing to change how we live, how we act, our philosophy, and the way we do things? Are we willing? If it's for the good and the safety for all of the people in our lives, and that's the question. And you know what? And here's the thing. Even though I do sound a little judgy, I'm going to remove some judgment from that and just say, whatever you choose is fine as long as all of your partners are informed about what's going on, informed consent, right? As long as everyone is like, okay, well, I know that Aaron doesn't really like to wear masks by the way. I do. I love masks. Um, But (laughs) like Aaron doesn't like to go masked. but you know, Aaron doesn't like to wear masks. So she's being very honest about that. So I guess I need to make a decision accordingly. And my decision is not to be around her.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, we talk a lot about boundaries on this show and You were talking a little bit about hierarchy as well, and we we have similar feelings regarding hierarchy on this show for sure. But if there is an existing partner and then maybe a newer partner, is there a difference between how you negotiate and navigate boundaries between those two types of relationships, existing partners and boundaries versus the new ones?
3: Well, you know, again, you know, if people are in hierarchical relationships, um, I think it's really a first conversation with the primary partner. Um, what are your established boundaries? What, are you, what have you negotiated with each other? That could very much influence how you bring in new people, if you bring in new people, and what those boundaries and standards are for other people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be a very individual thing. You know, some, some, some people, like primary partners, might have agreements where they're like, you know what, as long as that person has a COVID test, SCI test, everything's good, I'm cool, go live your best life with them. Some people might be like, listen, it's a pandemic, so um, they have to quarantine for 14 days before you see them, but as long as they do that, then I'm okay. I mean, so it's really up to, this is like the, the black belt in communication. Yeah. This pandemic is literally that. I think that all of us who choose something that's a little more non traditional. Um, this is where our super spidey skills are tested. Like how good are we at this, right? How awesome are we, or how terrible are we at this? This is the time that we're probably figuring that out. I mean, I definitely have some clients who have ended relationships right now or in the last couple months Mm -hmm. because of it, because they found out that there was a partner who maybe had just different, um, different levels of comfort around this stuff. And again, no judgment. That's just, they just were like, Oh wow. Like in this pandemic, there's certain things that I can't handle and I don't want to risk certain things. So for now, maybe we should end it, you know? And that's a very valid thing, but I think it's just, I think honesty is most important here. Communication with all parties involved or potential new people you bring in and checking in, especially checking in again, I don't like hierarchy, but checking in with the established partners. If those are people you're quarantined with, if those are people that you're in, you know, um, committed partnerships with if those are people that you are you know have lifelong you know connections to like it's really important that you you like heed what their what their boundaries are absolutely yeah
1: yeah. I mean, what a wild time. I, I love that you pointed out the whole black belt thing, because sometimes I am surprised, you know, that I do think that the non-monogamous community, to a certain extent, we really pride ourselves on figuring out really tricky conversations or really uncomfortable conversations. Um, and then sometimes we fall apart when it gets a little too uncomfortable or a little too awkward to figure out. Um, but I have hope. I have hope that... Um, me too. We've been training communicatively for this. And hopefully that means some of us are better set up for this. I don't know. Um, So I want to switch gears a little bit and... Talk about, um, you know, being a good ally to partners and friends, either who are Black or people of color or who have a different identity or come from a different group than you do. You released a podcast episode a few months ago where you interviewed different interracial couples to talk about allyship and specifically what it means in a romantic relationship. This is definitely something that our listeners bring up a lot. Um mm-hmm. I've definitely seen among our listener base, it's not even just about race, but it's about, you know, how do I just, how do I be in a relationship where there's a big privilege differential between myself and my partner in some way, you know, and even though that's not necessarily black and white, people have a lot of questions um, of how do I separate kind of the individual from what's going on in, in a bigger scope. And so I think that when it comes to being an ally in general, there's often what I see as kind of a push pull between Speaking up, standing up, um, standing up for oppressed people, oppressed groups. um, And then on the other hand, there's also, we're also encouraged to avoid the tendency to speak in place of a particular group of people or center your own experience or center your own allyship as, you know, the most important piece of the picture. And so in your interviews and in your work, I mean, how do you see this showing up in intimate relationships?
3: Well, it's a huge, 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 huge topic. I feel like it's a huge topic. I'm so happy to hear that some of your listeners have brought some of these things up too. I think that's,
2: absolutely
3: that's a sign of the times. It's like, Oh wow. Like it's not like I have, we all have our own individual experiences, like even on the show. Right. And you know, for me, I mean, this, I mean, wow. I mean, like everything is ha- like, like everything has happened <laughs> like in the last <laughs> few months. And so, you know, I grew up, I, I'll just a little backstory about me. Like I grew up in a very small town, Moderate slash conservative town in Ohio, um, where I was the only black girl in my grade and one of few in my school, and I was like, you know, super well liked, and people like, oh, and like I was like, the black girl people knew, like the one they could say, oh, I know one black person personally, and that's Aaron. So I, I mean, it's it's so because of that, I think you know, growing up in like the eighties and the nineties, like there was there was definitely a, a feeling of wanting to, I don't like the word assimilate, but a feeling, cause I, I just was, I grew up there my whole life. So I didn't know any different. It wasn't like I was trying to be like people, but there was this feeling of anytime race stuff came up or even in, like history class, when we talked about slavery and stuff, it's like, I don't want to talk about that. Like why? Cause it was like all like eyeballs on me or like this uncomfortable feeling that I felt and everyone felt it's like, no one really wants to talk about this stuff. Even us newsflash, like we as black people, for example, hate talking about this too. We don't want to be talking about this. Like it's effing exhausting and we kind of just want to live and walk in the world without having to be like, you know, noticed in theory, Mm. in theory, but that's not the world we live in. That's definitely not the country we live in. And there's a whole lot. So all that to say, you know, when all the black lives matter protesting and stuff happened and Brianna Taylor, Oh my God, I'm still like that. I can't even look at pictures of her. It's so effing disgusting. Anyway, But, like, I mean, because that she literally could be me or any of my Mm -hmm. female family members. So all that to say, you know, it was really a very beautiful thing to see uh, so many protests and so many people who seemed to really care about what was happening. What did start start to come out of that later, though, was um, things that people are calling performative allyship, which Mm -hmm. I still am, I'm still kind of on the fence, like, I, I'm definitely somebody who feels like silence is the worst. Like for me, it's like, if somebody like I definitely lost some friendships. I definitely were like, Oh, I see some people's true colors. I'm like, if somebody literally has nothing to say about anything that's happening right now, and I'm in your life or you have other people of color in your life, I just don't know why you're being quiet. And I get the fear around it. I don't want to, like, I'm trying to condense my thoughts because, again, each of these topics is just, like, so much. Yeah, it could be a Um, whole
1: episode on it, totally.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But um, bringing it back to allyship with partnerships, during that, during the height of the protesting this summer, you know, my partner happens to be transmasculine. And we actually, we've been dating for almost a couple of years. Shout out everybody. We met on Tinder. So it's, it's not impossible. <laughs> impossible.
1: <And> he, <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm, I met my partner, Alex, on Tinder. There I'm, I'm just like, yeah, success story.
3: <laughs> yes, it's, you can meet a great person anywhere. And um, I just want to say this real quick too. He's also in Los Angeles. And we probably, I think we've been in the same social circles for a while. We just never actually met. So it was just, Tinder was like our little nudge to there get us go. to actually meet. So there you yeah. go. but going back, so we have we actually there's a lot of similarities in some of our experiences between him being trans and me being mm-hmm. black. There's a mm-hmm. lot of similar um, things that we've we've experienced. Um, I don't like the word oppression, but maybe um, things that have happened to us that have been unfortunate um, because of our identities. Back to the back to your question. So for me, it's, it's been an interesting journey to, he's okay. So he's been an amazing ally, especially over, in general, but especially over the last few months, because there wasn't anything performative that I noticed about him because mm-hmm. of his experience with his identity. And it doesn't just have, you don't have to have a related or congruent identity experience to be an ally. But I think what I noticed in him is that things he would post on social media things he would say to me. He was really good at holding space and not saying anything sometimes. Mm-hmm. Asking me what I wanted. Asking me if I was okay. Like, can I just run some errands for you? Like, I mean, it was, it was a lot of listening involved in his allyship. And I think that's a really big part of things. Um, specifically with the people in our lives who are our partners and our, our close friends. I think the performative aspect comes along. Like, I definitely have some people that I know, um, who, you know, aren't as close in my life, but it was like, they would post videos of them, like crying about how racist they are or, you know, and the thing is, I can't even, who am I to judge? If that's the way that somebody expresses themselves in terms of a feeling of remorse or a feeling of, Oh, I could have done better. That's fine. But and those those scenarios for me feel a little bit like taking up space cuz it's like okay now all of the all of the like feeling bad and and stuff is going to you crying when it's not mm-hmm. about that yes i appreciate you feeling bad but it's like that does feel a little bit like taking up space mm-hmm. so i guess what i'm trying to say in conclusion is <laughs> really great allyship I'll switch it. Well, really great allyship for me feels like listening, feels like holding space, feels like um, saying, you know, I'm here for you, feels like asking what I can do for you, which can be a little bit of a labor there too, though. It's like sometimes I don't know what I need. Yeah. Right. But I do. But I, I still, me personally, I can't speak for everybody. I appreciate someone at least asking or acknowledging that maybe I may be going through something or might need something that always, always for me is better than silence. Always. So yeah, you might run the risk of someone being like, "Uh," but you know what? None of this is pretty. None of this is easy. Um, you know, if, 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 you know, feeling somebody's frustration because um, you can't read their mind and know what they might need, if that's st- it just put it in perspective that that's distressing, but what's more distressing is literally that some of us don't feel safe walking outside by ourselves. Like, yeah. so, so a little, so if we put it in perspective a little, I don't think there's any like great scenario where everyone's feeling great. <laughs> like there's just not, that's just not part of what social justice and racial justice is about. It's just not, it's not comfortable. And it's, it's, you know, Oh, I wanted to switch it up real quick and say, you know, for jet, you know, jet, um, that's my partner. Um, and you know, there's been times where I've been an ally to him in scenarios where uh, maybe seeing something that's weird if we're out together or, you know, there's something attached to his gender that's happening. And so, but I I am, I'm a little tough. (laughs) I look kind of innocent, but I'm tough. Like if I see something, I'm like, what? Who said what? Like, (laughs) where do I need to go? And who do I need to talk to? You're like not. I'm that person and he's definitely more reserved, but he'll handle things. But so for me, it's, again, it's like, because I know I'm somebody who can be like, oh my God, what, who do I need to talk to? And I know that's not his style. I cede to what he needs. And I know what he wants is something more reserved or something mm. like he wants me to ask him first or he wants me to like, not just react, that's, that's a big part of this. Like not just reacting. Cause that's what I want reacting, mm-hmm. waiting to react and maybe having a conversation or like putting him in the conversation. So I, um, I'm reacting in a way that I know that he might prefer that mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're going.
1: Yeah, and I think something that I've seen on the personal level, again, in the intimate relationship level, almost on the flip side of performative allyship, allyship, I guess is closer to the silence, like like what I've seen is people who have some kind of identity differential or privilege differential in their relationship, um, really struggling with like, my partner's upset about something that's bigger, way bigger than the relationship. How do I fix it? How can I fix it? How can I just fix it? Or I can't fix it. So let's just not talk about it. Mm. You know, I can't fix it. It's bigger than me. So we let's not even go there. And it is kind of this weird place of it's both true at the same time that like, you can't maybe fix it right away in this moment for your partner, but you can do something you know, and it is so important to build that on the basis of like asking your partner what they need and then believing them.
3: Believing them, dead agree. Yes, thank you for saying that. I I'm very fortunate, and again, this could be a whole episode on its own. So, this is the last thing I'll say about it potentially. But I I, I can't tell you how many people I've dated or been in a relationship with who you know, I would say that, oh, this thing happened, or I felt this way, or that person's kind of being weird, like, and I can't put my finger on it, really. Or maybe I can, maybe I can be like, this person said this thing to me. And a partner or someone I'm dating is like, no, no, like, they Mm -hmm. didn't mean that. Like, I know that person. And it's like, I think, see, what I think is really great about this whole pandemic situation, (laughs) the one thing that's great about it um, is that I think a lot of people are really seeing the truth about who people are and it's not been easy and it's been so painful. And I, a lot of us, I'm sure, you know, some of you as well. I mean, we have lost people have let go of people have like literally been like, "Ew, I can't believe I was with this person. Like who, how could they hide this from me? How did they not know? so the pandemic has revealed so much about who people are and I think it's been really hurtful, but ultimately it's great. Like I, I'm definitely someone who would prefer someone be a total jerk to my face, than hide something in secrecy. And then like, I know, I, just tell me now. So I know who I'm dealing with. Right. So in that way, I think it's been a really great thing to know who, like, especially if we're talking about like intimate relationships, it's like, you know, obviously like sex and, any level of intimacy, it's like shared energy. And so, you know, we're taking on these people's energy in our lives. And so it's, it's, I mean, it's just so funny. Cause I actually, I remember saying to somebody a long time ago, there was somebody that I dated not so long ago, a few years ago, and he was extremely, extremely toxic and so much gaslighting. And there was so much going on. And I remember saying, you know, he's, the type of person that after we're not, when we're not together physically anymore, I cannot shake him for like a week, like energetically. It's like, I literally cannot shake his energy and I'm like anxious. And I just feel this feeling of like, oh, oh, and I don't know what it is. And it's like, like those kind of, and everyone has different levels of sensitivity around that kind of thing. But those kind of things, it's like, I think that the pandemic has revealed even deeper levels of that. It's like, people couldn't hide. People were out loud and proud saying how they felt about all kinds of things and you couldn't avoid it. And I think that's really great. And it's like I said, I'm repeating myself now, but I mean, it's really been devastating on a lot of levels, but thank goodness people have felt comfortable enough, whether it's been disgusting or positive to reveal who they are, you know? Absolutely. Yeah,
1: seriously. It's like a big old shakedown to a certain yeah. extent. Shake so it a shake down and a shake up. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to take a quick break from our interview to talk about the best ways that you can support this show and keep us offering this content for free. To get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M U L T I.
2: So let's switch gears one more time and discuss some fun stuff. So I know personally, uh, the last few days, I've been feeling some anxiety and just like, wow, like this is a bit of monotony. I'm doing, you know, similar or the same thing like over and over again or going to work, but then coming home and kind of doing the same thing and in my relationships too we tend to just kind of like sit on the couch and watch something and that's about it. And so are there like ways of sort of doing fun things? Like do you do you have some like good creative or I don't know like exciting things that you can do with your partners when maybe you do have to be at the house a lot or you can only like walk to the park or something like that? <laughs> are there are there some fun like recommendations for people that you've found?
3: Well, so I was okay. So again, um, pre COVID, um, PC or BC, it was BC
2: b- before COVID. I love that. Yes, before COVID.
3: <laughs> I was like the most extroverted person. Um, Definitely. Oh, okay. What's the word? What's the, what's the one where you're like introvert and extrovert? What is that word? There's like a word for that.
1: Uh,
2: is there a word? Oh God.
1: Yeah. Is yeah. There, I'm like, every, like, every human being on the planet. I don't know. So, like
2: you're, yeah, but you're like super charismatic and I definitely, yeah, I feel like we're more extroverted and they're definitely introverted in
3: those two. <laughs> Well, and here's the oh, thing: uh,
2: am, yeah, ambiverted. ambiverted. Oh, you found That's ambiverted?
0: Is that ambivert, the one? Ambivert, yeah, that makes sense. So,
3: I'm I'm definitely an ambivert, <laughs> but definitely socially a huge extrovert. So, when the pandemic hit, it was devastating. Like, I was devastated. Like, literally everything in my life, and actually even work wise, everything I do involves people or crowds or groups or like. I mean, literally, it was like the hardest thing for for me to wrap my head around. Now, again, being an ambivert the introverted side of me could still like thrive living alone and and doing things and working on projects and stuff. But it was really, really hard for me to, to, to not have that social aspect. So I definitely was a huge fan of the zoom everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like Mm -hmm. zoom movie nights, zoom drag shows, zoom strip Nights Zoom, like That's literally awesome. everything, and I still do actually do a lot of those things, so I would say you know, especially for let me jump first to those of you who are dating or in a relationship with someone who you don 't live with, who you 're not quarantined with, um, do some of these fun virtual things, so like I said, i mean literally i mean there 's one i mean i don 't know if I should shout out shows, why not there's a show called um let them eat cake that's based out of new york i think it's like every other thursday it's free slash donation and they have all kinds of like pole and um pole dancers and like aerialists and all these things it's so much fun you could totally be like hey hey partner let's meet on their zoom platform and watch this amazing show. I mean, like there's so, and it's really, it's actually, some of these shows are so well done. Sure. It's not like being in person, but it actually is a really great escape. If you're going from, you know, no drag show or no performance art to virtual is the only way to go. It's a great replacement in that context. Um, I also love, I mean, I don't know. I, I like video games sometimes. So like Heck video go. game, date oh, for Yes. Yeah, see? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I do like, I, one of my clients actually is uh, virtually, is date virtually, well, virtually dating, kind of dating somebody in um, Norway, I believe. One of the, one of the Nordic countries. Okay. And they're doing like these virtual um, like, sightseeing in other countries dates. So there's, like, certain Sweet. websites hmm. and you can go, like, tour Greece <laughs> and stuff, and they're doing it. So I'm like, that is, so, like, I would do that even if it wasn't a pandemic. Like, that sounds like really fun. <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> right.
1: So,
3: yeah, there's, I
1: I think I found recently, what was it? I actually bookmarked this for you and me, Jason, then never did it. Oh. It's, yeah, we'll no, do there's, it. <laughs> a, there's a there's a, there's, <laughs> exactly. um, there's a particular Japanese castle that they have a full oh, wow like 360 virtual reality walkthrough that you can do. Um, And I don't know. I think that it was the kind of thing that toward the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, whatever, this seems silly. It's not the same thing. I'll just wait till I can go. And now that it's several months, now that it's eight months in, I'm like, this sounds great.
2: Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a long road. (laughs) Uh
3: (laughs) It is. It is. And so you've got to keep it interesting. And so again, you know, if you're, you know, even if you're not, uh, Even if you're quarantined with your partner, something like that virtually could be fun. Because when Mm -hmm. are we going to travel again? I don't know. Like, I mean, who knows? So might as well do a virtual travel thing with your current partner you're uh, quarantined with or with other partners you're not quarantined with. The other thing I'd like to say, too, is if you are quarantined with somebody, um, Or if you are in the same like city geographical location and you do feel comfortable being in the same car with that person, there's a ton of like drive-in, drive-through things happening too. I love it. Like again, the most extroverted socially, I love all of those things. I'm actually (laughs) going to a drive-in play later tonight. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness! Yeah. It's like an immersive play and I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I know they're going to come up to our car it's not halloween based it's something else but they're gonna come up to our car and do things around the car that's That's so
2: cool (laughs) i'm so excited so you can still have
3: fun yes make this pandemic fun and make your dates fun Yes, the pandemic is depressing, but it's really important that we find ways to keep it fun and dress up. I, you better believe I'm gonna be in a car, but I'm gonna dress up. I'm gonna have makeup on, and I'll probably yes. take some selfies too. So you got to make it fun, still, because at some point we will be done with this pandemic. And to be honest, what, why would you want to like? I don't, don't want to say it like that. What I want to say, I was gonna say something kind of not nice, but I was gonna say, I was gonna say, no one's gonna say, I was gonna say, why would you want to hang out with somebody? who had a terrible time for years or a year with this pandemic. I don't want to say it like that, though. I want to say, wouldn't it be really interesting to come out of this pandemic meeting someone or having met someone or like having, having had the best time had really some fun, like experiences during the pandemic with somebody. I think that is, ver- that's more interesting to me. It's like, what did you do to make this fun? How did you, did you, did you quote unquote, I don't think time, I, I don't like the phrase wasting time. Cause I don't think, I don't feel like that's, I don't, I feel like there's always something we can do and whatever. What I'm trying to say is don't waste your time what can you do to have fun even during this pandemic there's things yeah. you can still do and so make it fun yeah
1: Absolutely. so uh, I, just to kind of put a button on that this has been on my mind because my partner alex recently like finally went on like a zoom first date you know, a couple of weeks Mm. ago. And we had a lot of conversation about the experience. And I, you know, you work with clients through this and I'm just like, is it possible to really get a good sense of someone over Zoom? Is it possible for it to be fun? I've been really resistant to it because I'm like, I need to smell somebody. And right now I'm not going to be smelling nobody new and that's fine. But, you know, I just have
3: a lot of questions about that. Like, how are people adapting to that? Yeah. I mean, great question. Here's the thing. I mean, the smell thing is very real. I get it. Like, I mean, I'm a big, my, my, nose is very, very sensitive, like for good smells and bad smells. So I'm definitely with you. Like, it's really important. Um, but again, it's not ideal, but I think that, I think that what, here's the thing for me personally, and for clients of mine over the last few months, um, zoom and FaceTime, whatever virtual dating scenario was happening. It makes people work a little harder and, or it makes them not work hard at all, which is actually a great way to select or say, you know, select somebody or say, oh yeah, this person is really interesting. Or "Mm, that person like really phoned it in, no pun intended, but Mm -hmm. like, like literally (laughs) it's like, so, you know, think of it as in theory, you could think of it as a precursor to when you actually do get to meet them in person and smell all the pheromones and all the things. It's like a precursor to that. So it's like step one. You don't have to risk, you know, um, getting COVID. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to look for parking. You don't have to do all of these things. You can meet virtually. And then if that goes well, then, oh, there's so many things that could happen in the future. But the virtual date, actually, I mean, like, if I think about, all of the first dates where I drove like an hour away mm. or I like, got dressed up and like all right. this stuff. And then I went and it was yeah. terrible. And oh, I, yeah. I felt that felt like a waste of time to me. So going on a virtual date for like 20 minutes and I mean like, Oh, guess what? I gotta go. Even if it's terrible. It's like, Oh, 20 minutes. I still could wear my like pajama pants. <laughs> and it's yeah. Totally fine. But no, I mean, so like hopefully, you know, if there's if there are people that you're meeting virtually, there's one or two or a couple that you'll meet that you'll be like, oh my god, I can't wait to like meet this person in person at, at some point. But it's not like a bunch of legwork out there in the field, like risking COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Out in the field, <laughs> out in the field,
2: <laughs> in the or wherever
0: yeah, you do know, yeah. field work. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, this actually is a good example. I normally never do this because my thing during the pandemic has been like, when I'm going to get up and go to my computer to work, I'm going to dress up all the way, all the way down, right? All the way to the bottom <laughs> half, because it helps me feel like I'm in work mode and not in lounging on the couch yes. mode. And then after work, I get to change back and it helps me, right? I'm, I'm big on that. However, the last few days, I've been feeling kind of sick with like a sinus thing and so today I did just for this call, put on this shirt, but I'm wearing my pajamas. on.
1: It's very rare. So like, very rare
2: for Jace to do.
1: You can, rare to be yep. a
0: pajama boy. Yeah. It's very rare for me.
3: I love it. No, yeah, I, I'm doing but, the same, Jace. I'm with you. I'm like, okay, I'll put some makeup on. I'll put on a cute shirt. And then I'm totally wearing sweatpants.
0: That's, <laughs> no, right, but totally. nobody, nobody knows. Exactly. We're yep. just seeing the top. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. So I wanted to pivot this topic then a little bit because... So something that's been uh, present for me this past year or maybe two is that I've just kind of been dating less, maybe the past year or so. I've been dating less and have been trying to put more of that energy into my platonic friendships and maintaining those. And it's become more and more apparent to me in doing that, that there's really like not that big a difference between maintaining romantic relationships that you don't live with and maintaining friendship relationships that you don't live with. Like the only difference is kind of like the language that I use with them, that I'm not maybe going to be as, as cutesy with them or something. I don't know. Sometimes I do. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like during the pandemic, I often feel like I'm dropping the ball on those. And what's been interesting is that then when I'll reach out like to, to, to my good friend, I just sent him a text the other day being like, hey... I'm so sorry. It's like every week runs into the next. I haven't been in touch at all. You know, how are you doing? How's your kid doing? You know, that kind of stuff. And his response to me, well, first he called me up and he was like, Hey, yeah, like me and my wife just woke up this morning and we were like, Oh, it's raining outside. And also like, Jace is a dick. Cause he never calls. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, no, actually like we've been the same. He's like, we've just like everything runs together and we haven't even thought yeah. about it. I'm sorry. I haven't been in touch So I guess I'm just curious, wherever you you are on that, um, I guess just if if you've come across that at all with just like friendships and other types of relationships, just like remembering to check in even when you just kind of forget or it feels like I've used up all my bandwidth. How do I even do that?
3: Oh, 100%. I mean, again, this is like crazy experience of our lifetimes and our parents' lifetimes and our grandparents' lifetimes in some ways. So all bets are off. There is no rule book for this. Although I should like look more up around the um, pandemic of 1918. Is that the one? Because people keep saying this is very similar to that one. Anyway, minus they didn't, plus they didn't have technology. They didn't have, you know, all these things, but all that to say, no, it's absolutely quote unquote normal. Like Sadly, it's normal in this in this absurd abnormal that we're in. Like everyone I know is dealing mm-hmm. with something. Like literally, I don't know anybody other than maybe I don't know him personally, but Jeff Bezos. He's he's like one of the few who I think is really thriving Seems right now. He's doing all right. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: think he's doing just
3: fine. Right.
2: Like, there's definitely some
3: winners <laughs> of his pandemic for sure. Um, but no, I mean, I think it's a very real thing to I mean, I think if you care about your friends, you know, and partners that you're going to feel bad that you haven't been more in touch, but there's only so many hours of the day and, you know, our own mental health is a part of this. Like, you know, what are we as individuals doing to even just get through the day? And every day is so different. Like, I literally don't know what day it is every day. Like, especially, you know, my mom had spinal surgery and I was, you know, helping her for about two months in Ohio. And I mean, I literally being in and out of hospitals, It's like it's like Vegas. It's like a less fun version mm-hmm. of Vegas. It's like, yeah. what day is it? What time is Much it? Much less fun version oh, of Vegas. I was going to say only
1: <laughs> marginally less fun than Vegas because I don't find
3: uh, that. <laughs> I love uh, Vegas. Oh Well, I did love Vegas, but not going there now. But anyway, wait, wait, okay. yeah. but, but all that to say, it's like time is so subjective right now. Time and space. And so, you know, I mean, I've definitely been in a similar scenario where certain close friends of mine. I'm like, oh my God, I'll call them tomorrow. Oh my God, I'll call them tomorrow. And then it's like two months have gone by. Like a couple of my friends have had babies and it's like, oh man, like I was dealing with my mom's stuff and then other stuff. And it's like, you do feel bad. But what I'm trying to say is that we're all, all of us, except for some of the people in the 1%. (laughs) And even them, to be fair, even some of them probably are dealing with a lot of stuff emotionally. There's still everyone... There's nobody who hasn't had to adjust over the last few months. And so I think we just need to take it easy on ourselves. And honestly, I'll say this too. I think that in this time, if there are people in our lives who are pissed at us because we haven't been like calling all the time and that kind of stuff, like maybe that friendship is in a different phase. You know, maybe we need to adjust that friendship or that relationship a little bit. Having said that, as I'm, even as I'm, because I do like to check myself when I need to sometimes, even as I'm saying that, I definitely had some moments during the Black Lives Matter protests where there were some close friends who I didn't hear from, and it was very upsetting to me. And, you know, it—I—I, I, um, it's not logical. It was definitely an emotional reaction, but it was like, I can't believe, like, all of these things. I mean, you guys remember, it was, like, literally every day. There was, like, something yeah. going on, and it was oh, like, yeah. I can't believe, like, and we're talking yeah. about close friends. So in that way... but. The thing is, once once I actually connected with those people, you know, it was was okay. You know, it's again, it's more of the silence, like indefinite silence. The indefinite silence of like not knowing, not hearing, not hearing from someone, not knowing how they feel about something. That is hard. But once you actually do reconnect and you have the conversation, hopefully things are okay. But I do feel like we need to we need to give a little, a little, a little respect to the fact that we're dealing with something that is absolutely. Insane. (laughs) I mean, seriously, right? Um, But again, this Mm -hmm. goes back to the whole partner conversation, you know, of close friends and partners to your point, Chase. Because also I would say too, you know, I actually do have some clients who have said that they're not going to date right now. It's just too overwhelming for them. They are relying on their close friends. I know people who've moved in with close friends because they just feel like more of a sense of community, uh, being around people they really trust. Um, So whatever that looks like, for you, whether that's friendships, whether that's partners, um, I think it's just really important to, to, you know, be, be honest about how you're feeling about someone's level of communication or lack thereof, but also give a little wiggle room in terms of, oh my gosh, like I'm dealing with a lot. They're dealing with a lot. So we gotta be, we gotta, we gotta take it easy on each other if we really do care. And we do know that person cares, but what, but last thing I'll say, having said that. Again, no assumptions. I said this earlier in the show. Especially if you're dating people, if you're dating multiple people, you can't make an assumption that oh well, you know, I haven't texted them, we haven't talked on the phone, we haven't, you know, done a, a video date, like we haven't done any of these things. I'm sure they're fine. I'm sure they know I care. Don't make that assumption. That's not mm-hmm. okay. That's not all right because as we're mm-hmm. saying, not everyone everyone is dealing with something. If you don't check in, then you're kind of, it feels, it can feel like you're leaving somebody hanging or that you don't care or that, you know, you don't know. I mean, people who haven't, you know, I haven't seen any of you in three years, really, other than on social media. And so I don't know what your day-to-day things are, Is happening for you. And so, you know, how dare I be upset? like, oh my god, like, Jace, like, I haven't heard from you, and like, whatever. It's a, like, it's a theme. Everyone's
1: whatever. pissed at Jace for not reaching out to them. Know, That's I true. It's Jace is, is like... famous for being really inconsiderate, basically. Jeez. Oh,
0: gosh. Oh, so, god.
3: yes, and okay. you no... Know, <laughs> sorry chase <laughs> oh, boy, no, we, we, can say it.
1: we can joke about it because it's really not true it's like the oh see so
3: sweet geez. see that's Aww. the love that is i love the love i feel the love and and so we just we basically we just need to be really we need to take care of the people in our lives and check in on everybody because we really don't know how people are doing and like i said before i mean there's some people who are who are not afraid of this pandemic who are out there in the world, who live in states or countries where things are just open. And there are a lot of people who are really afraid to be outside. And I've definitely gone back and forth personally in that. So, I mean, those check in on those people, check in on the people who are, who might be living alone, who are, are maybe more, you know, who really are struggling with the isolation of it all. I mean, there definitely is a mental health aspect to all of this. And so whether it's friends or partners, it's just really important that we don't, forget about the people in our lives p no bc bc (laughs) yes
1: yes oh okay well i think that's a great note to end our main episode on erin this has been fantastic where can our listeners find more about you and your work
3: Yay. Yay. So uh, you can find me on my website, the dating advice, I'm also super active on Instagram at dating advice, GRL. So at dating advice, girl with no I and girl. And I'm also on TikTok, which I'm, I'm having fun. You know, here's the thing. We didn't really talk about consent much, which is totally fine boundaries. That's a whole other show. And, um, but because I, you know, I, you, um, you mentioned before, um, I wrote a book called the consent Guidebook, and, I just, you know, the topic of consent can be so serious, especially, you know, in the height and the B2 movement, which is when I wrote my book around that time when they all, everyone's being accused and all these bad, terrible, terrible, egregious stories. And it was like one of those things where I'm like, okay, so there's a little fatigue around consent and consent education. It's so, so important. So how do we make this fun? So on TikTok, I'm trying to make consent fun. I'm trying oh, to do cool. some fun videos and stuff. They're on I, uh, Instagram as well, also on Twitter at Dating Advice GRL. But so all that to say, though, I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to weave in the sex education, consent education, in a fun way that's not like where people are just like, oh, this again, you know. So I'm trying to make it fun. So there, that's that's all the things. <laughs>
0: that's awesome and that's a, a perfect segue into something that uh we're going to chat about more in our bonus episode i mean as you can tell uh when the four of us get together we like to talk about all sorts of things uh so you can expect that in the bonus but also i did specifically want to talk to you a little bit about yeah
2: because i know nothing about tiktok and in stuff general so there. i want to like get an overview of everything <laughs> <laughs> i love it
0: Totally. I'll do my best. <laughs> so for yeah. our patrons, yeah. So for our patrons, if you want to get in on that conversation, that will be in our patron only bonus episode that's coming out in a couple of days. Uh, all right, thank you everybody so much. Uh, this has been awesome. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we on our Instagram right now. If you're listening to this within a, a day of this episode coming out. Uh, We have a poll going on about, have you tried going on a first date during the pandemic? We would love to hear from you, our listeners, and know what's going on. Also, if you have thoughts or comments or questions about this episode, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>